Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. to be poured out upon all men. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days I pour out my spirit saying It is radio program with Pastor Bob. Good to have you with us. You're listening to a live broadcast tonight out of Dickinson, North Dakota, the studios of KDIX. Of course, we're, there's three different ways you could be hearing us tonight. You could be listening to the 1230 AM station. And I want to greet the guys from the jail that are listening tonight. And I know some of you are listening, very interested in the broadcast we're going to have. Also, um, we you can be listening to us tonight on KDIX.net. And I know some of you are listening that way. And then also... Uh, on Holy Ghost Radio Channel 2. And so tonight, I'm going to give out my my number to text. And I want you to tell me, 
how you're listening, which which way you're listening, and also if you have any questions for we have a special speaker tonight that I'm going to introduce in just a minute. Uh, hey, Stormy from the Philippines is listening. Good to have him listening tonight. Man, we've got Becky, Thor, Ben, Melissa, Carl, uh, Talis, Lori. Good to have all of you listening tonight. And um, Sierra. Oh, man, they're coming in now. So good to have everybody listening tonight. Now, my the cell phone number to text a message to is 701-290-7862. And this is Sunday, April 22nd of 2000. 18. So if you're hearing this on a podcast later, uh, you, it won't do you any good to text me. But, uh, oh man, there's a lot of people listening tonight. Now tonight, we've got a special broadcast. Before I introduce the speaker, just let you know if you're a first-time listener in Dickinson, North Dakota, our church is the New Life Pentecostal Church. We're on 501 Elks Drive. We bought the Elks Building, and uh, we've got a, a beautiful building and a beautiful bunch of people, and we want you to come our next service Wednesday night at 7.30 on Sundays at 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, and so we want, we're going to be announcing that throughout the program. But we've got, tonight we have um, Joseph Conroy with us. He's a has been a missionary to Syria, to Jordan, to Germany, and he's going to be going to Ireland coming up here in just a few days, a couple weeks maybe, to Ireland. And so we're so glad to have him with us in the studio. And tonight... I have asked him to be here specifically because I want him to do some teaching on the subject of what speaking in tongues means according to Scripture. And so, uh, Brother Conroy, so good to have you with us tonight, and and uh, we are excited to have you with us tonight, and uh, you can go ahead and get started. Well, thank you, Pastor Simons. I am so glad to be here. Uh, when I was talking with Brother Simon several weeks back about his radio broadcast, uh, I was really enthused. I, I heard the way that it runs and the goal, which is what every Christian preacher's goal should be, to make the gospel easy to understand. And uh, just a little bit about myself. I did not come from a Pentecostal background at all. I'd never really heard of it. I had heard the term holy rollers, but uh, I'd never heard of Pentecost. And uh, I'd never heard of speaking in tongues. I'd never heard of uh, the demonstrative worship that Pentecostal people do. Uh, I'd never heard a a true depiction of it. But uh, when I was, oh, I would say about 13 years of age, uh, an old woman knocked on our door one day passing out magazines about the coming of the Lord. uh, That got me to look in my Catholic Bible. And the more I read in the Bible... Uh, the more convinced I became that I, I did not have everything that God wanted me to have to make heaven my home. And the more I would read the New Testament especially, uh, I would see the discrepancy between the religion that I was raised in and the, the simple, easy-to-understand faith uh, and the supernatural witness of God that was on that faith all through the Gospels, the book of Acts, uh, the, the epistles, and uh, it really created a hunger for God in my heart that uh, oh, it's hard to even describe. And I can remember when I was 16, I was there in my father's house in Chicago, Illinois, reading the book of Acts for like, oh, probably the 50th time. I'm a very avid reader. I've been reading for three years, cover to cover, cover to cover, cover to cover. And it hit me one day, I was reading there in Acts chapter 2, and It said when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in one place, in in one accord. 
And uh, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the place where they were meeting. And I remembered reading that. And then it said, uh, uh, suddenly a, a fire just whoosh appeared in the midst of them and then separated and sat upon each of them, cloven tongues uh, as of fire. And I'd even had a little, they used to call them holy cards in the church that I was raised in, uh, with a picture of Mary and the twelve disciples all sitting there with their hands kind of like open in their laps with uh, birthday candle-type flames on top of their heads. And uh, just for your information, when the Bible said fire sat upon each of them, it really doesn't mean little birthday candle flames on their heads. It's more along the lines of they were engulfed in flames. And uh, that struck me. Uh, I read further, and then I noticed something that had never really stood out to me before. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the ability or as God spoke through them. And uh, I had to kind of shut my Bible for a minute thinking, well, you know what, I don't remember. I've read this again and again and again, and that has never leapt out at me. They spoke in other tongues. And uh, I knew what that meant. They were speaking in other languages. And I thought, why haven't I noticed that before? I mean, that's fascinating. Uh, there was 120 of them there on the day of Pentecost. And uh, in my mind, I was just imagining all these hillbilly women from the hills of Galilee breaking out, worshiping God in Greek and Latin and Persian and, and fishermen that really hadn't had the benefit of a great education, speaking Arabic and, and various other languages. And, and I thought, why don't we have that today? I thought, God, if we had that today, I would believe. If I ever saw someone just break out in another language, I'd believe. Uh, but I thought, well, that must have been just that once, you know, on the day of Pentecost to show that the Holy Ghost was given. And uh, I can even remember thinking, God, I, I wish we had that today. I'd love to have a supernatural assurance that uh, I have fulfilled the commands of God, that I have received the promise of the Holy Ghost. I want to know that I know. But uh, I guess that was just that once. And so I went back to reading the Bible pretty soon. I was in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' household, the Gentile Roman centurion and his family. And uh, Peter came to them. And he was preaching to them. And the Bible said he got to the point in his message where he said to him, Speaking about Jesus Christ, to him give all the prophets witness that whosoever believeth on him through his name shall receive remission of sin. And the Bible said, while Peter yet spoke those words, that remission of sin is in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible said the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. And the Jewish brothers that came with Peter to Cornelius' household, they were shocked. They could not believe that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. But the Bible said none of them could deny it because they heard them speaking in tongues. And that hit me. I thought, well, there it is again. Wow, I've never really, that, I've never noticed that. Well, I guess that was once in Acts chapter 2 to show that the uh, Jews could receive the Holy Ghost. And once in Acts chapter 10 to show that the Gentiles could receive the Holy Ghost. 
But uh, after that, I guess it just it just vanished. I thought, oh God, I think you're making a big mistake by not doing that today. Because if I ever saw somebody just break out into worshiping God in another language, I would believe. And uh, but I thought, well, that was then, this is now. And went back to reading the Bible. And pretty soon I was in Acts chapter 19. And uh, Paul came to the city of Ephesus. And there on the city limits, he found a group of 12 men that were out there for a prayer meeting, worshiping God. And just by looking at them, he knew they weren't Greek pagans out there worshiping Apollo. He knew these were men of Israel. And so he approached them. And as he got closer, he could see their fervor, their dedication, their love for God. They're, they're sanctified unto God. And yet something seemed to be missing. And so as he approached him, he asked him a question. First words out of his mouth, he said, Brethren, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And when I read Paul asking them that question, it was almost like God was asking me that question. Joe, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And I would pray that sinner's prayer every night, 5, 10, 15 times, thinking, what am I leaving out? Nothing is happening. I'm reading it word for word. Dear Lord, I am a sinner. Please come into my heart. I accept you as my personal Savior. I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And, and no change in my life. There was no, no, no transformation in my spirit. And I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it right. Uh, we had grown up in a religion where we just chanted our prayers. Uh, uh, we even had beads that we would count to keep track. Ten Hail Marys, one Our Father. Ten Hail Marys, one Our Father. And we wanted to be uh, praying properly. And I kept thinking, I'm missing something here. But when I read that question, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? It was almost like the Lord was asking me that. Joe, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And uh, I had to kind of close the Bible and say, well, Lord, I really don't know. How would you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, how would you know that you'd received the Holy Ghost? That didn't seem like there was an answer, so I kind of popped the Bible back open and look what, what was their answer. And they said, we haven't heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And uh, that doesn't mean they hadn't heard that there was a Holy Ghost. They were men of Israel. The very opening lines of the scripture was, the Spirit of God moved on the face of the water. They knew that God was a Spirit. Jesus said it very clearly in John chapter 4. We know what we worship. God is a spirit. And further as we look, we see they were disciples of John the Baptist. His whole message was, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. He that cometh after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So when these men said, we haven't heard whether there be any Holy Ghost, it didn't mean they hadn't heard of it. They just hadn't heard that it was being poured out yet. It would be like if you came over to my house and, and I said, oh, well, welcome, welcome. Listen, have you had any pizza? And you said, well, I didn't know there was any. <laughs> that didn't mean you hadn't heard of pizza. It just didn't, uh, is it available? I say, sure, go out in the kitchen, get you some. There's all different kinds. And so when they looked at Paul, they said, we haven't heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. I can almost imagine them looking him right in the face thinking, have you received it? Have you received the Holy Ghost? Of course, we know the next question is, unto what were you baptized? Praise God. 
They said John's baptism. Paul rebaptized them in Jesus' name. And then it said he laid hands on them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And as they received the Holy Ghost, the mouth of the Spirit of God came upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues and prophesied. And I thought, there it is again. I said, you know what it looks like to me, God, that every time they received the Holy Ghost after the church was born on the day of Pentecost, that they spoke in tongues. Why don't we have that today? And uh, at the end of this segment here, we're getting ready to do another song. I just want to leave you with this thought. The Lord spoke to my heart and said, Joe, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will speak in other tongues. I had to accept the Lord. He would be my personal Savior. By faith, He'd come into my heart. But I couldn't really know for sure And I remember that Bible study To teach me about the Trinity They said it was beyond my reach In fact, it was an unexplainable mystery I think I got more than they told me about I think I got more than they told me about. I think I got more than they told me about. I think I got more than they told me about. They said that slowly I would grow. Gradually I would reduce my sinning. Nobody's perfect. They said nervously, even if there's no change, you're still winning. And the religion professor at the university said the day of miracles had ended. Things were different now, not so spectacular. That emotional stuff had been transcended I think I got more than they told me about I think I got more than they told me about I think I got more than they told me about I think I got more than they told me about Thank God there's more than what they told me about I think I got more than they told me about. I'm glad there's more to get than what they told me about. I think I got more than they told me about. I think I got more than they told me about. I think I got more than they told me about. Hey, everybody. Pastor Bob, the Tell It Like It Is radio show, got a special guest tonight, Joseph Conroy, a missionary and a Bible teacher and just a very, very interesting guy. Brother Conroy, go ahead. We're talking about speaking in tongues. Well, praise God. Uh, I won't complete the rest of my testimony tonight. I, I want to go on this, but suffice it to say uh, that by the time I was 17, God in his mercy uh, brought me to a place of repentance. 
the word repentance is metanoia. It, it doesn't just mean, God, please forgive me. I, I've transgressed your word. Forgive my sins. It actually means to completely change the way you think. And uh, that's key to receiving the promises of God. You can't think the way with the natural mind, the way it processes everything. You have to learn to think with a spiritual mind from the spiritual perspective. Uh, but I'm speaking to tongues tonight. I would just like to cover a few little things. Um, there's really not a lot of teaching on speaking in tongues. Usually you hear it's almost like a one-sided debate on why you will speak in tongues or trying to prove that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll speak in tongues. And uh, when you hold a one-sided debate... Uh, guess who's going to win the debate? That's not really fair. And I want to be fair with you. I just want to bring out some some truths. We we can look to the Word of God. The very first time that you see uh, supernatural uh, speaking in other languages that comes as a result of God causing it is there in the book of Genesis chapter 11. After the flood was over and the ark had landed on the mountains of Ararat, the people got out. They began to multiply as the human race began to grow again. They started working their way down towards a place called the Plains of Shinar. And as they got there, they, they came up with this thinking. We've got to build ourselves a city. We've got to have a tower whose top can reach into the heavens. Let's make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. A lot of people assumed that they were trying to build a tower to reach to heaven so they could get there. I don't believe that was the, the, the point or the object at, at all. It was to be a symbol like the Statue of Liberty or the Eiffel Tower, something that would serve as a rallying point to keep them together. And the Bible said in, in verse 1 of chapter 11, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And so God, he, he makes an observation. He had told the people to scatter and multiply and replenish the earth. They set out to do exactly the opposite, to stay together and stay in a city and just maintain their cohesiveness instead of obeying God. So God said, let's go down. This is what it, how it reads. I said, uh, Go to, or in other words, come on. Let's go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And so God went down. He confused their tongues and language and the people began to uh, divide and separate because they simply could not understand each other. Uh, The purpose of speaking in tongues in the book of Genesis was to confuse and confound the people. It was also to separate the people. And more to the story here than meets the eye. Uh, I think as you look at it, you'll see there was more than just a separation of the languages. But as we read in Genesis chapter 10.25, there was something else that, that obviously transpired in that time as well. In 10.25 it said this, And unto Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days was the earth divided. 
and his brother's name was Joktan. Now what Peleg means in Hebrew is split. What Joktan means is lessened or, or, or diminished. Praise God. Uh, in the 1960s, late, late 50s in the 1960s, mankind kind of came to a, a technological advance that they just had not had in all of man's history. They were able to do things that had never been able to be done before. The United Nations sponsored what they called Geo Year, where it kicked off a project that no one had really dreamed to do before, which was to map the Atlantic Ocean floor. There was a theory among men that at one time all the continents were together. And that at some time in the past, they were split and, and torn asunder. Uh, the theory was called plate tectonics. Well, two scientists named Bruce Thiessen and Marie Tharp were the very first people. They were oceanographers. They mapped the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean floor. And what they found was shocking. People had noticed it before that the coastline of Europe and the coastline of North America almost seemed together like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. They would fit together. Uh, the same with Africa and South America, that they would say, you know, if you could just scoot these continents together, why it would be a perfect fit. Well, when they mapped the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean floor, they found uh, something very, very shocking that proved the theory of plate tectonics. There was a huge gorge that ran right down the middle of the Atlantic Ocean floor that was like a huge seam. And you could see mountain range down there where you could see where the continents at one time had been together and were literally ripped and torn asunder from each other. Now, scientists currently say this could have been done millions of years ago. Uh, I very much would lean toward, I think you've got your timing wrong. I think it's a lot more recent. It would not surprise me if the reason why Peleg's name, whenever he's mentioned, it's followed by that little, that little uh, phrase, because in his day, the earth was divided. Uh, tales of Atlantis, we're not telling Greek fairy tales here, but you know a lot of legends have some origin in a distant past memory. And I think that part of what happened at the Tower of Babel was not just the confusion of language, but the eventual geographic separation of men according to where they lived on the planet Earth, and eventually even racial characteristics uh, started to predominate. Maybe this family uh, would would start to have certain outstanding characteristics that just didn't show up in other families. You know, there's an old question that I remember being always debated when I was a new convert. Uh, and what the question was, was, was Adam white or was Adam black? And uh, I think the reality is all men are descended from Adam and his wife. Therefore, it would stand to reason that all the racial qualities were in Adam, that he wasn't black or white or Hispanic or, or Asian, but that in mankind, in the beginning, all the traits that probably, very possibly at the beginning of the Tower of Babel began to be separated family by family by family to further add to the separation of mankind. All those traits were in Adam. 
I think if you ever see someone from Hawaii that is really multiracial, I mean like one great-grandfather is black, one great-grandfather is Chinese, uh, one great-grandmother is Portuguese, one great-grandmother is Mexican, uh, one great, I mean, and one grandfather this, that, and you see that blending together. They are massive, incredible, beautiful. They're mighty people. There's just something they exude. And I think that's how Jesus was. If you look at Jesus' genealogy, and I'm getting back to speaking in tongues, believe me, uh, he reunited all three branches of the family of man. Ham, Shem, Japheth. As you go through genealogy of Jesus, you'll see that uh, through, through Ruth, uh, through, through uh, Rebekah, he is Semitic. He's descended from Shem. Through uh, Rahab, he's descended from Japheth. And through Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, that indicates she was a Hittite too, which they're descendants of Ham. And so in Jesus Christ, you see the human race put back together again in his flesh. Now, where does speaking in tongues come in with that? Well, if you look to the book of Acts... The very thing that had divided mankind at the Tower of Babel was the very thing that began to reunite men from the day of Pentecost onward. As they were filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, it began a move on the face of the earth. Before you knew it, the division between Jew and Gentile, you know what it was that convinced the Jewish believers that God was accepting the Gentiles? When they heard them speak in other tongues. That thing that had separated man at the Tower of Babel was the very same thing that began to reunite man in the days of the apostles. And not just that, but the racial division. You can see by the time the gospel reached the church of Antioch, that that church had four predominant preachers in that church. There was Jewish background preachers. There were Greek background preachers. And there was a preacher in that church that was named Simon of the Niger or Simon the Black from Africa. And uh, in the revival in 1900 that you and I are a lot more closer to when just like other Bible truths that had kind of gone dormant over the years, justification by faith, believer's baptism, there were men and women that God gave a revelation that, no, this is still necessary today. And as men began to seek for the baptism of the Holy Ghost the way they got it in the book of Acts, God began to fill people with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And you can see it in America. That revival that broke out around the turn of the, the 1899 to 1901, within just three, four, five years, it was all over the world in Africa, in Russia, in China, in India. It spread like wildfire. It began to heal divisions. And if you know anything about the history of the early Pentecostal movement, they had a characteristic or a trait that did not exist in any other denomination. You had major assemblies like uh, Christ's Temple in Indianapolis, Indiana, that was pastored by a black man, Bishop G.T. Haywood, with a predominantly white congregation that could look in the 1910, 1912, 1915, they could look at a black man and say, yes, sir, yes, pastor. 
pastor. That was unheard of. Same in Azusa Street in Los Angeles. It was a multiracial congregation headed by a black pastor, Brother Seymour. And so speaking in tongues in this Holy Ghost salvation, one thing it does is it heals the division that began at the Tower of Babel, it's amazing that God would use the very same thing to begin to reunite believers all over the world. It is radio show. Good to have all the people listening tonight. Uh, just we've got some Shrekheises in Arkansas listening, some Beaglers and Driscoll. Uh, we've got uh, some Sobergs up in Harvey. We've got Sky up near Minot. We've got ladies in the in the North Dakota Women's Prison listening tonight. Sierra from Arizona, Ian, Megan, Jason, Dania from Fargo, Seth, Carl, Jeannie from from Michigan. Good to have everybody. We've got Danny listening from St. Cloud. In a little while, Danny, I'm going to play the song that your wife hates called Tell It Like It Is, so you can sing that to her. Uh, This is Pastor Bob Simons. You are listening to the Tell It Like It Is radio show. I pastor the New Life Pentecostal Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. We've got Joseph Conroy as a special guest tonight, and I'm going to go ahead and just let him keep going. Well, praise the Lord again, Brother Simons. Uh, I'd like to move on to another uh, subject or another 
facet of speaking in tongues. I can see just in a one-hour broadcast, we're just actually skimming across the surface, not really getting deep, and uh, I apologize for that. The subject is so rich. It's not just about jibber-jabber when you get the Holy Ghost. There's a very definite principle at work in speaking in tongues. Uh, Here's another reference to speaking in tongues from the Old Testament that points to the very New Testament experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. God spoke to the prophet Isaiah and he was looking at the people of Israel that were so completely backslid that it disgusted him. There was things that were going on in the temple of God that were thoroughly disgusting and revolting. And this is where we'll start reading in, in Isaiah chapter 28. God is speaking to Isaiah about the priests in the temple, the prophets that were in the temple as well. He said, they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have uh, are swallowed up of wine. They're alcoholics. The priest and the prophet, they are now alcoholics. And they are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision and they stumble in judgment. And then he gets to the most disgusting part. He said, for all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. Now God here, I don't believe, was talking about their dining room tables in these people's homes. He's talking about the tables in the temple of God. The place of the preparation of sacrifice. These priests were coming in in the morning to begin to sacrifice these animals and prepare the sacrifice to be burnt on God's altar. And they were so intoxicated that as they were preparing the sacrifices meant for God, they would literally vomit all over them. And they'd look at it and say, oh well, and just keep on going. And offer those vomit, vomit stains. Of sacrifices to God. And God was outraged. He said, the tables are filled with vomit. You're all drunk. You're given over to drink. You're all turned out of the way. And then he asked a question. He said, who will he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, saying, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. Here we have a reference to the promised outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the people of Israel. But it would be poured out in a way that it would be a divider. And it's a divider by God's design. He said in the next verse, To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. Why? Because the word of the Lord was to them. 
And here we have it in English. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Why? That they might go back, fall backward, and be broken. Here's what it says in Hebrew. I don't know if you've ever, uh, we said we were going to just take it as granted that the speaking in tongues is that supernatural witness that accompanies the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Have you ever been witnessing to somebody about tongues and they look at you and say, you mean if I don't jibber-jabber? If I don't like blah, 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 I don't have the Holy Ghost? It's ridiculous. I don't believe that. And in the mockery of speaking in tongues, what these people don't understand, they are exactly revealing God's intent. Because God intended it to sound like gibberish. In Hebrew, where it says line upon line, or precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. It, it takes on in Hebrew a, a childish, gibberish, sing-song sound. Sav la sav, sav la sav, kav la kav, kav la kav. Zer sham, zer sham, sav le sav, sav le sav, kav le kav, kav le kav. You might as well say, bibbidi babbidi boo, goo 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 goo, ga 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 ga. It was intended to sound like the, the ramblings of a drunkard. It was intended to sound like gibberish in the ear of the unbeliever. And the reason why? Because it was a sign to the unbeliever that would expose them as being unbelievers. That's why on the day of Pentecost, the Bible said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak in tongues. And the Bible said that there were mockers there. And they began to mock them and make fun of them. And and what was the first thing they said? These men are drunk. And that was exactly the intention that God had. He wanted to take the drunkenness that he saw in Isaiah 28 and put it right back in Israel's face. And and that's why Peter stood up and said, These men are not drunk as you suppose. But this is that, spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days God says, He will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Uh, one thing I noticed was there in Isaiah, uh, God said the tables are all filled with vomit. Uh, I remember reading a tract put out by a certain denomination about 1906, commenting on the Holy Ghost outpouring and speaking in tongues. And uh, it's kind of a famous track, tract. It, it calls this Holy Ghost baptism and speaking in tongues the last vomit of Satan. I mean, that guy had it bad. And uh, come to find out, that reflects on Isaiah 28. The very things that made, made Israel just so distasteful to God in their unbelief, their drunkenness, and their vomit is exactly the way that this manifestation of God is treated by unbelievers. Now this is what the Apostle Paul said concerning speaking in tongues, and specifically Isaiah 28, uh, 8, 9, 10, 11 through there. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, In the law it is written, 
with men of other tongues and other lips will he speak to this people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Who was in back of speaking in tongues? The Lord. And yet for all that, they would not hear. Paul went on to say, wherefore, tongues are for a sign. That's what Jesus said in in Mark chapter 16. These signs shall follow them that believe. He didn't say they might. They may. He said these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak in new tongues. And so Paul is commenting on that and said, Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Now, I've had a lot of people that say, well, I'm a believer, so I guess I don't need that sign. I don't need to speak in tongues because I believe. That's not what Paul is saying at all. The sign is in the believer, but the sign is for the unbeliever. And who is the unbeliever? Unbelieving Israel. That's why every time a little boy out in the jungle of Africa prays through and receives the Holy Ghost and comes through speaking in tongues, or or a 65-year-old Arab woman comes up out of that water filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, or a hillbilly there in the Ozarks in Arkansas runs down to that altar and God fills him with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. It is a witness. It is a sign over and over and over again to Israel that the Holy Ghost that you should have been receiving from day one is being poured out on the Gentiles. Praise God. The sign is in the believer for the unbeliever. And so we're going to have one more segment, song coming up here. My question for you is, are you a believer or are you an unbeliever? Because depending on where you stand, that's what speaking in tongues, that's how it will strike you. This is the Tell It Like It Is show, Pastor Bob, broadcasting live from Dickinson, North Dakota. Uh, we're going to play one more song. Good to have uh, all of you listening, all of you texting. I have not given the text numbers out this uh, broadcast, 701 290 7862. We've probably got 40 texts already. Good to have Colby from Oxford, Mississippi. He says, I love Brother Conroy. So you're a pretty famous person. Uh, so we're going to play one more song. We're going to bring Brother Conroy back. Preacher man, preacher man, don't tell me no lies. That believe and you're saved, the junk which comes televised. That fable may make money to the fornicating jimmies. But the message of salvation is the one that you should give me. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. I do not want to go to hell, so tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. I do not want to go to hell, so tell it like it is. I was saved when I ate the dough God host. But I've seen in the Bible that I need the Holy Ghost. They said that I could get it with a tap on the head. But first I've got to die so God can raise me from the dead. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. I do not want to go to hell, so tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. I do not want to go to hell, so tell it like it is. priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness. 
so that there is no place clean. Don't tell me that I'm fine and should put away my fears. I bought that lie before it only coochie coop my ears. It's hypocrisy so thick that now I want to puke it. And I'm sorry, my friend, if that offends your hermeneutic. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. I do not want to go to hell, so tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. I do not want to go to hell, so tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. I do not want to go to hell, so tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. I do not want to go to hell, so tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Praise the Lord. This is Brother Joseph Conroy again in our last segment here. Uh, I was so thrilled. The Sobergs are listening to me from Harvey. Are they great people or what? And uh, a young man that I'll tell you what, this guy is a brilliant genius. I think any of your pastors get a chance to have him come preach for you, you need to jump on it. Brother Colby White, uh, brilliant genius there at the University of Mississippi. He's got one more year left, and uh, he is red hot on fire for God and a passion for the lost. I love my friend. Uh, to get back to this final segment, our, our, our closing passage, uh, in Mark, Jesus after the resurrection, he appeared unto the disciples, and uh, they were eaten. And he upbraided them with their, again, here we go, unbelief. Unbelief. Have you ever a witness to someone from the word of God? What's the first thing they say? I don't believe that's important. I don't believe it matters. Well, my friend, what you don't believe may be the very thing that causes you to not make it. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's what it says in this verse. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not will be damned. They'll be lost without remedy. If you find yourself constantly, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Well, you need to do a check on yourself. Because if it's in the Bible and you don't believe it, There's something not clicking right. So we'll get on. And he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Number one, in my name shall they cast out devils. And number two, which is our point, so we'll stop here. They shall speak with new tongues. Jesus didn't say they may speak with new tongues. Some will, some won't. It may happen that some might speak in tongues. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Not just the apostles, not just the prophets, but they that believe. You know, an interesting point there about the word signs is it's a Greek word, semion. It also means birthmark, a distinguishing mark that someone bears in themselves that they're identified by. Uh, I remember old Mikhail Gorbachev, the, the head of the Soviet Union. He had this huge splotch of a birthmark on his forehead. And if you ever read a political cartoon, even if the artist was a junkie artist, the minute you saw the splotch, you knew who he was depicting. was Gorbachev. Uh, movie stars, some of them were famous because they had a little birthmark by their nose. 
Uh, you go into a post office, look at the most wanted list. They will say distinguishing marks, and they will list the marks that you can identify these people by. This is what Jesus is saying here in Mark chapter 16. These semihon, these birthmarks, will be on them that believe. And one of those marks is, they shall speak with new tongues. Now in John chapter 3, Jesus was in a house one night. He may have been eating dinner. We don't know what he was doing. But we know that there came a knock on that door. And a man from the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of Israel, was the guy knocking on the door. Open up before they see me. And when they opened the door, his name was Nicodemus. He came right in. He went up to right up to Jesus. And first thing he said was, Rabbi, we know that you're from God. No one could do the works you do if God was not with him. Uh, Jesus didn't say, well, thank you. Finally, somebody recognizes me for who I am. He didn't even address that at all. He looked at Nicodemus and said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I'm telling you, Nick, you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. See, Jesus loved Nicodemus. He loved everybody. And he was straight with the man. You must be born again or you will not see the kingdom of God. You won't even be able to perceive it. Nicodemus came back with a question. How can I be born again? I'm old. I mean, my mother's hitting 92. Uh, what, go back into my mother? and uh, Oh, ick. I, I, how? Jesus said, Here's the how. This is what I get. People always argue how the how. The how is the answer. Except a man be born of the water and the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. I hear people all the time saying, you apostolic people think you're the only ones going to heaven. You say if you're not baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not going to make it. Well, friend, if you're not baptized in Jesus' name, that's because you choose not to. If you haven't received the Holy Ghost, it's because you haven't believed God for it. And that's in your hand. The door is open. Whether you go through it or not is up to you. And so Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, uh, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. But then he went on to describe the birth of the Spirit. He said in verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. When you're born to a a woman, you're born in the natural realm. Man is comprised of three specific components, body, soul, and spirit. And some people are centered in their body. All they think about, what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what pleases them physically. Others are anchored in their soul, their emotions. They like soul music because it makes them feel good. But others are anchored in the spirit. And that's where this is Jesus leading. He said, he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. And then he tells us about this birth of the Spirit. In English it says the wind. But the word there is pneuma. It's the Greek word for spirit. He said the pneuma, the spirit, blows where it wants to go. 
it bloweth where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof. You hear the sound of the Spirit. You hear the sound of the wind, Nicodemus. You cannot tell where it's coming from. You do not know where it's going. He said, but you hear the sound of it. That Greek word there for sound is phone. It's where we get our word phonics, telephone, megaphone, microphone, ET phone home. That's where we get phone. And, and that's what Jesus was saying. You hear the phone. You hear the sound of everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, you can come up with a lot of different opinions what that is. I'll just stick with the Bible. There in Jerusalem, when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, the sound that accompanied it was they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The apostle equated that speaking in tongues as this is that spoken by the prophet. At Cornelius' household, the same phenomena. When the Gentiles received the Holy Ghost, they knew they had it because they spoke in tongues. Some people say, well, I believe Paul received the Holy Ghost. I don't see him speaking in tongues in the book of Acts. Well, you do in Corinthians. He said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Not that he spoke in tongues, (coughs) pardon me, more frequently. But rather, he was more thankful that he spoke in tongues than any of them because he had persecuted this faith. But oh, praise God, God reached past his unbelief and brought him to a place of belief. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Because it's freely given today. God bless you in Jesus' name. This is Joseph Conroy that's listening. You're listening to the Tell It Like It Is radio show. Pastor Bob here. Real quickly, I'm just going to give you some information on how to get a hold of us during the week. Uh, you can come. Our next service that in this area is Tuesday night in Beach at the Beach Community Center. We have a, a daughter work there at 7.30. Wednesday night, 7.30 in Dickinson, 501 Elks Drive is our address. On the next several Wednesday nights, if you know somebody that's struggling in their marriage, we are doing a uh, kind of a mini marriage uh, seminar, a, a, a series of them. They will. It's open to the public. Um, we had, uh, this last Wednesday, we had several couples there that don't attend our church there that just wanted to strengthen their marriage. Uh, again, this Wednesday, it's for everybody, but especially going to be teaching on, on marriage. Uh, Pastor Bob will be doing the teaching, of course, 7.30 this Wednesday. Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, we have our Sunday school, which includes an adult Bible class. And then at 11 o'clock is our worship service. And so if you want to get a hold of us during the week, the church phone number is 701-264-7862. My cell number is 701-290-7862. My email address is robertsimons58 at gmail.com. Just before we close this broadcast today, I'm going to ask Brother Conroy to pray for our listening audience. Brother Conroy, it's been so good for you. The good, the good that you've been here, but go ahead and thank you. Just, you. just pray for our listening audience today. God, we thank you, Lord, for your precious word. We thank you for this precious truth. God, we thank you that this supernatural experience of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, it's not something that any denomination can forbid and leave outside the walls. 
Baptist people are receiving the Holy Ghost. Catholic people are receiving the Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, Methodists and Presbyterians are receiving the Holy Ghost. And even Irish Catholic boys like Joe Conroy can be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. And here's the beauty about that Holy Ghost. If you'll allow it to, it will lead you and guide you into all truth. I pray for you today that your cup be filled to overflowing with the Holy Ghost and fire. Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. 
The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.